Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At bluenile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan on Quartz 96 FM. Next round of the 10k toy giveaway between 11 and 12 today. Do it around half past 11. All things allowing for same. All right, that's 10k toy giveaway between 11 and 12 today. It's the second last day of this, and we've had a very successful couple of weeks on the opinion. Line. A lot of our qualifiers have gone through to win 500 euro vouchers. Also, another day with our friends at Sanitize Ireland Natural Solutions. Another good prize for you. Another story from the headlines that we want you to rewrite for us. We will also be discussing this particular moment. Enrique to Maradona. Different class. The greatest goal and probably the greatest commentary we've ever seen or ever heard. That was uh, Diego Maradona passed away yesterday at the age of 60. And of course, the legendary Jimmy McGee commentating on that goal. That all comes up later on this morning. But first, we think now it'll be about 6 o'clock tomorrow evening. Maybe a little bit later. Maybe even 9 o'clock before the toy show comes on. Oh yeah, we'll come with the toy show too later. Um, And tomorrow that Michal Martin will get up and speak to us about what is happening with regard to the exit of Level 5. What do we know at this stage? Well, we know that from the 2nd of December, things will start to reopen. They've decided to do that now, even though the numbers aren't where they wanted them to be. They're still hoping against hope that by the time next Wednesday comes, they'll be closer to that. But even though the numbers aren't exactly where they want them to be, we will be coming out of level five at some level uh, from next Wednesday when shops, hairdressers and hotels likely to open. Uh, From the following Monday, the 7th or Tuesday, the 8th, not yet to be or not yet decided, the gastro pubs will open and the restaurants will open. Now, there's a few changes been made to the pubs from summertime. You'll remember when restaurant pubs opened in July, or June, end of June, started July. A number of pubs that didn't actually have kitchens and didn't actually have gastropub status did a very clever deal with the chipper next door or the pizza hut around the corner. And you went in and you got your menu and you got your pint and you got your grub and you got your two hours. And it was good. It was nice. And a lot of places, particularly places that had refurbed during lockdown, opened up having done a deal 
with the chipper across the road or, or the pizza hut around the corner or maybe even a restaurant across the way that had takeaway. They did deals. Those deals have now been told. You, they've now been told you can't do that. Not going to happen. You'll have to have a kitchen and you'll have to have a chef and you have to have actual food pub status, as it were. And the wet pubs, well, the wet pubs, I think, can probably forget about it until the new year. That's what was emerging yesterday. As we were preparing to go off the air yesterday, that's what was emerging. And a very, very angry statement emerged from the Vintners Federation of Ireland. I think it's fair, Podrick Cribben, Chief Executive of the VFI, I think it's fair to say your members are livid. Good morning. Good morning, PJ. Yes, I I think it's important to say what we're dealing with here is speculation. Uh, But based on that speculation, we would uh, say, yes, our members are livid, because essentially what the Taoiseach is saying, and it is the Taoiseach that's saying it, he's saying, you know, I trust uh, restaurateurs and their staff and their customers. I trust people who go into uh, gastropubs and their staff and their customers. But I don't trust publicans that don't serve food. I don't trust their staff. And in particular, I don't trust the people who go in there to socialise. And that's an extraordinary uh, place to be starting out by a Taoiseach and a government. We know that Neffet have, I would have at one stage called it a bias. I would probably now call it a vindictiveness against pubs. And I say that because... They made their minds up three weeks ago. On the 9th of uh, November, the the chief medical officer said that he did not anticipate in in December advising uh, the government that people would be able to, that families would be able to meet in a pub and have a drink. So he had his mind made up Mm. probably well, well in advance of even lockdown. But it is extraordinary that a government, and the teachers in particular, would have such a bias against pubs, publicans, and indeed the people who frequent them. But, Podrick, isn't it just a simple fact that people who are eating are not, are less likely scientifically to spread the virus? Absolutely. There is no scientific evidence. Oh, but there that. is, Podrick. Oh, but there well, is. You, you, but when you're, eat, when you're eating, the droplet spread of COVID-19, this, this is science, the droplet spread of COVID-19 is drastically reduced when you're eating. No, that's rubbish. It's not uh, rubbish. There's science that, there, Podrick. Sorry, let, let me, let me, just, just let me, let me answer, the, answer the question. We are in a situation where it is a controlled environment. In the controlled environment, Everybody is sitting down. They're sitting down at either a one metre or a two metre social distance. So the one thing we know, PJ, is that people are going to socialise over Christmas. So the options are this. You either allow them to socialise in a controlled... And by the way, the definition of control is made by government. So it's with social distancing, with masks when they're walking about, uh, and with with hand sanitisation. The other option is allow them to uh, socialise at home with no hand sanitisation, with no social distancing, with no masks. And the one thing we do know from the HPSE itself is that of the, of the clusters that they're aware of, uh, and there's over 7,000 of them since last March, 72% of them have happened in 
domestic gatherings. Less than a third of 1% have come from pubs. That's the science that's important. And that's mm. the science. That's Perhaps that's part of that is down to the fact that in this country we don't contact trace as far as in other countries. And in places like Australia where they do proper 14-day even contact tracing, they found that well over half the people who became case zero, for example, in a cluster had been to a, to a pub at some time in the last yes, fortnight. Yes, but they didn't have the same they didn't have the same guidelines as we have here in 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 relation to social distancing, mm. uh, in relation to uh, keeping people apart within those uh, within within those outlets. So we're not comparing like with like. And you know, uh, uh, you're right in saying we don't go back, uh, and I do accept that. Uh, but what we are doing, and the one thing we were told from day one is that this would be based on science. Mm -hmm. But in actual fact, when the science doesn't suit us, we create our own impression of the science uh, to back up the argument, and I'm talking about government and necessity. If I was to take one thing out of your statement yesterday, and one element of your trade that I felt rather sorry for was the guys who did what I would consider the clever deal. Once they had HACCPs in place and all this kind of thing, they did a very clever little bit of business with the pizza hut around the corner or the chipper across the road. I saw nothing wrong with that, but now clearly the government does. Well, we don't know that yet, but you know, there are variations in every team. So if you, if, if what we're hearing uh, being spun at the minute, you get into the question is, what's a kitchen? Uh, you know, define a kitchen for me. Define a chef for me. Uh, you know, so it's not uh, it's not in any way scientific, uh, and it's not in any way based on science. And from that point of view, it's crazy. And as I said earlier, it is safer even for the pubs that are doing food. If you ask them, they will say to you, "Please, please, please, let all the pubs open because it will allow." the demand that is there to be spread mm. wider. Now, there are pubs who may not want to open, and that is that is absolutely understandable yeah. because they may not have the space. There may be individuals within the family who are vulnerable, and that's absolutely understandable. There is, you know, but it's to, it's to give them the opportunity to trade. Yeah. Mind you, you're not doing too badly. I was listening to a discussion yesterday where in certain regions of France, I, I can't say whether it's the whole country, but in certain regions of France, the pubs have been told forget it until the 20th of January. Well, I think if you look at the, the, uh, the, risk, the, the, the risks associated, and if you, if you look at France and the level of infection in France, we're, we're talking about a level of infection in France. But I think, I don't have the exact figures, but I think it's four to five times higher than where we're at. Yeah. But I'm just saying you're not doing too badly compared to the French well, publicans. Th- th- that's one side of the coin. Who would probably uh, argue the same about their controlled environment as you would. But, well, PJ, the only difference is this, that for the pubs that you're talking about, with the exception of two weeks, they have not traded since last March. Uh, that's, that's nine months. It's a very different scenario in France. They've only been subject to that in recent weeks mm-hmm. when the more extreme lockdown has come. And out. you know, I feel terribly sorry for the people who have traded for three or four weeks or two or three weeks in the last nine months. I do. I think it's terrible for them. I think it must be a, n- a nightmare to be trying to run a business like that. And, and you probably don't sleep at night half the time. But at the same time, you cannot get away from the fact, Padraig, that round the world, when you break it down, pubs are risky environments when it comes to COVID-19. I think uh, the one thing we would, and we've said this from day one, 
that public health is paramount. Uh, and we do accept that there is a level of risk if it's not properly managed. But if you look at the guidelines that have been put in place, and bear in mind, since uh, last March, uh, or actually since the 29th of June, uh, when pubs were allowed to reopen, there have been close to 40,000 inspections of pubs. Yes. There has been no other sector so monitored, so inspected, etc. If you take, for example, at a time when there was major flare-ups in meat plants, at that stage there were 20,000 inspections of pubs. There were 21 inspections of meat plants, of which 18 were pre-announced. So we are uh, very heavily regulated, very uh, heavily inspected, and rightly so. We have no problem with that. And we we equally have been very strong in saying for that small number of publicans uh, or outlets that have not been adhering to the guidelines, then the full force of the law should be brought to bear on them. We have no problem with that. But what we do have a problem with is this ostracization of pubs, this differentiation between one set of pubs and another. Do you and feel that there's all... a determination to damage the pub trade? Oh, I would, I, I, would, I would say that is part. It's certainly part of the agenda by the health lobby, and I would say that it's, uh, the, the pub sector would not be high on our Taoiseach's agenda either. Why would you think that people would, or anyone in government, would want to damage one of our biggest employments and one of our biggest sources of income as a tourist nation? Well, uh, if I look at Neffet and if I look at the makeup of Neffet and I look at the composition of it, which is mainly around uh, people from the Department of Health, and we know for a long, long time that uh, the Department of Health have had uh, a very significant agenda around alcohol and around pubs. Uh, and, you know, we, our current Taoiseach is the Taoiseach who facilitated all of the cheap alcohol uh, by the abolition of the groceries order at a time when he was advised that it would lead to all of the cheap alcohol that's there at the minute. Uh, so certainly the trade would see uh, the current um, moves and uh, movement by government as being very anti the sector and probably with an agenda that they'd have to be very happy to see a much smaller sector. All right. Leave it there for today. Good to talk to you as always. Podrick Cribben, Chief Executive of the Vintners Federation. He's, he's correct, of course. We are talking in the realms of speculation. But it's very strong speculation and it's coming from fairly well-placed poll cars and fairly well-placed sources that the gastro pubs, the restaurant pubs will open, that the poor fellow that does the deal with the chipper around the corner is goosed because he'll have to have his own kitchen and that the wet pubs can forget it until the new year. The thing about sitting down to eat, this is just proven. There's less likely when you have a full of families sitting down to eat or friends sitting down to eat and having the pint with the grub. You're less likely to get a half a dozen lunatics going, like, come on, Liverpool, up in the other end of the pub. You're not going to have that happen. So that's a lot less risky than a pub full of people eating. And take this from someone who misses me ordinary pint of stout in a pub like me miss like it missed me right hand. But the science 
The science? You can't argue with the science, lads. Or can you? 1857-1596. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With Lehan Motors, leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota. See lehanmotors.ie. The Cork Diary. On Cork's 96FM. The UCC Simon Society are hosting a Nevin Maguire cook-along on Tuesday the 1st of December at 6pm. This is a virtual Christmas meal cook-along with one of the most renowned chefs in the country and all proceeds from the event will go towards the Cork Simon community. To book your place and for more information, check out UCC Simon Sock on Instagram. If you have an event you would like mentioned, email corkdiary at 96fm.ie The Cork Diary On Cork's 96fm This is Cork's Gold Imro Award winning talk show The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan Call us now 1850 715 996 On Cork's 96FM On Twitter at Opinion Line 96 Mag says you mentioned France and fair enough but by a similar token Spain which has a higher rate than us again pubs are open in a lot of areas you have to feel for each and every publican and those whose livelihoods have been decimated in recent months. You're not wrong, Mags. Yeah, I feel for every single one of them, it's terrible. I, I know so many of them. It's They're, they're stuff suffering and struggling through this. A lot of pubs are open in Spain. A lot of them are closing, though, at 6pm. They're only open during the day. And because the weather is a bit better in many parts of Spain, they can do more outdoor and they're closed at 6pm at in a lot of areas. Kevin says, what about Re 101? Science is science when it suits if we were following the science, we'd have completely shut down in March and ended this once and for all. You can make the science argument for every single sector bar none. Well, isn't that what Jerry Killeen was saying to us and, and others, Kev, back along? Shut down, stay shut down, drive it out and shut down every element, including the border. Which, by the way, did you see the little spat between Leo and Mihal? They can't agree on what day of the week it is. Leo said to his parliamentary party that we might have to tell people not to travel to the north, which, like, for the record here, and I went on my holidays in the north in the summertime when it was one of the lowest infected areas in Europe. Now it's one of the worst. I wouldn't be, I wouldn't go to the north now to save my life. It's rampant. It's riddled with it up there. And and I don't know why anyone would go to the north. And similarly, I don't see why anyone from the north should be allowed to come down here at the moment. I thought Leo was dead right. But Michal says, oh, no, no, we can't be having that. We can't be having that. We won't be telling people not to go to the north. You should be telling people not to go to the flipping north at the moment. With regard to hotels, again, we don't know what's happening. We think they'll be allowed to open under level three restrictions from next week and then ease off towards Christmas. Uh, what would that mean? Carmel Lonergan is General Manager of the Cork International. Carmel, good morning to you. Morning, PJ. Opening at Level 3, what would that mean? Um, opening at Level 3, it's a step in the right direction, um, but we do need to get back to that Level 2. Um, it's kind of half and half. Our, if Level 3 won't mean our restaurants will open in the hotels, and Level 3 will mean that only people from Cork can actually come to hotels in Cork. So we're halfway there, but realistically the hotels need to open and we need to get people travelling again. Um, I suppose the main point from us is that hotels have never been proven to be a cluster and we do this safely. There's over 422 businesses 
which is COVID safety charter through Fall to Ireland. So we can manage it safely. And if we leave it go any longer, there's going to be this pent up demand come later in the month. And it's just going to drive people back into houses. They trust us. Why not let us do it and let us open and look after the people, which yeah. is what we're here to do. I stayed in a hotel, a couple of hotels during the summer when everything was at level two. And one of them that I stayed in had made the choice that after seven, the only people getting into the hotel anyway were residents. Yeah. And it made for a much more relaxed atmosphere inside. They opened the bar, they opened the restaurant, and because we were all residents and had been temperature checked and all of that and wore masks, they were wearing masks around hotels before we ever thought of doing it in the pub. Everything was great. But like you said, if you can't go in from the outside and you can't have someone come on, I was in Dublin, for example, if someone can't go from Cork to Kerry or Kerry to Cork or Dublin to Cork, you're kind of wasting your time. Absolutely. Like, it's going to be very hard to police and I suppose people do need to be held accountable. There is personal responsibility for people to look after themselves and we see that in our hotels, at the Trigon Hotels. People are careful. They come into these buildings. They can see that it is well maintained and that the health and safety is a top priority for us and we lead by example and they follow that example. Um, so I, I, I just, it's, it's very frustrating with such short notice to be looking into next week we have a lot of people out in the PUP payments. We want to bring people back to work. Mm. And people are out and people are holding on and we're trying to keep people employed across the three hotels. But this unsustainable approach to opening and closing, it just, it, it can't go on. And it's looking into next year as well. We just, they need, they need to look at it a longer, a longer view of tourism in Ireland and what we can do to be ready to welcome people back when they open the airports a bit more, mm. which is another issue in itself. Is this dragging it out for days? I would sense that's not helping. No, it's not. Like we're we're looking at next week, and we have to notify our people when they come back to work. Um, and we're dragging this out, and we're looking at nine o'clock on a Friday evening. And, and people want to get back to work. There's this mental health issues in itself with people not working, and especially coming up to Christmas. People have families to feed and to look after, and we wanted to make the best Christmas, whether it's our customers, but most importantly, our team. Um, and this just staying at home and dragging it out, the not knowing, the uncertainty mm. and the miscommunications, whether it's leaks or who knows what's going on. And you're finding out at that last minute and whether it's mm. hotels, restaurants, bars, it's just very frustrating for everybody in the hotels, but also the customers, because they want to if you can know in advance, you can make proper plans, safe plans in advance where you could actually meet up with people or just go away as a family by yourself. Carmel, four weeks today is Christmas Eve. Uh, 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 four weeks to Christmas, how would you normally be at your hotel? How, how slammed would you normally be? We would be very slammed. I suppose it's been a very quiet November in that respect. We usually start off um, kind of the end of October after the jazz weekend and after Halloween and we kind of ramp up. We usually have a lot of functions and events in November and we'd usually actually this weekend should have been our chocolate and baking weekend um, and we'd usually have two or three thousand people through the hotel in itself. Um, so we've had to knock that on the head and mm. we had a ar- different arrangement for that in the levels but with a level five nothing can go ahead and we usually should be this weekend we should be heading into Christmas party seasons oh, yeah. families visiting Cork um, going to all the different events around the city all the tourism attractions as well which is it's all knocked on the head yeah. and the organised well, office parties yeah. like I don't think and I worked in them for years so I know just how important they are to the hotels. It's the mainstay of our business in Christmas, around Christmas would be the weekends and even the smaller office of parties and the lunches. 
Um, it, it's just not there and it's not there. But we have to reimagine and people are looking at different ways and opportunities to do that whether if it depending on the levels and this is nobody everybody's waiting to find out what they can do mm. in a safe manner because people are very conscious of that in the work environments about mm. having people interacting with each other as well is there a sense of too many cooks here not wanting to bring anything like a kitchen analogy into it but is there a sense of too many cooks in that you've got Neffet, you've got the committee of civil servants you've got the various ministers of various departments you have the cabinet subcommittee and, and a full cabinet. Too many cooks here and all we're getting is a mess. I, I think that everybody's there for a reason. I think there needs to be a bit more of a strategic approach to somebody looking at the long term of this and leading the other people in the decisions that they're making. Everybody's valid at the table. Maybe a bit more communication and uh, collaboration with the people in the businesses prior to making announcements. Um, because we, we don't want announcements made and then things not making sense and people backtracking because that's very frustrating as well. So a bit more collaboration with the business, the hotels um, would be great, but um, somebody taking a more strategic approach, um, whether it's the Minister for Tourism, about what's, what's going to be ahead for the next two to three years. We're looking at 2024 until we get back to where we were in 2019. So that, that's vital as well. 2024? Mm-hmm. Even with... The great news about a vaccine that hopefully by the end of next year we'll all have access to a vaccine. Yes, still twenty twenty four. Still twenty. Things. We, I, I was in this hotel in the last recession. Things don't come back. They, things don't bounce back. There will be initial bounce, but it, it's it's not going to be back to where it was to twenty nineteen levels. Um, so in in any tourism uh, stats that you will get or from anyone fall to Ireland international. Everyone is looking at 2024 until we get back to 2019 levels. Yes, people will be able to travel, people will be able to socialise, but events and large conference, business tourism is vital to Cork and Ireland in itself. That, those events get planned two, three years in advance, and so everything got knocked in the head and everybody's just waiting to find out. So it's going to be a longer lead time to get back to where we were. Okay, okay. Carmel, thanks, and, and good luck to, with whatever is, is unveiled tomorrow and good luck with trying to do the best with it over the Christmas 1850-715-996 Kevin says to me with regard to Leo and the border thousands of people cross that border every day for work in both directions you open a minefield of problems with throwaway comments I disagree with you Kevin because people travel over and back over borders the world over and in Australia where they slam the borders down we heard from Dr. Dial Conroy how public health interacted with border control to allow people who had to cross the borders for essential things like work to do that. You could easily have a situation whereby thousands of people live south of the border and work in Newry. That's easy. That's easy if you work with your public health experts. But the idea that people would trundle off up to Derry for a weekend over Christmas and New Year. And one of the most beautiful cities I've ever seen in my life is Derry, for example. I love Derry. I thought in the summertime, I can't wait to get back to Derry. I love Derry. But would I go to Derry at the moment? It would be stupid and reckless to go to Derry at the moment. That's what I think Leo was talking about. 1850-715-996. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With Lehan Motors, leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota. See lehanmotors.ie. 
Cork loves the arts. We do too. That's why we bring you the Arts House. Every Sunday on Cork's 96FM. Hi, it's Elmerie. Each week we bring you the latest news from our vibrant and creative communities all around Cork. Whether it's tips for the best live gigs online, new initiatives from Cork's writers and musicians, join Elmerie Mall and Connor Tallon as we work to support and keep the arts alive in Cork. The Arts House. Sunday mornings, 8 to 10. With Griffin's Potatoes Cork. Fresh, flowery and full of taste. It's at the root of what we do. On Quartz 96 FM. This is Quartz Gold Imro Award winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 083 396 9696. On Quartz 96 FM. Just before I do some of your comments, we got some good ones in. I, I'm kicking a puppy with regard to the North. I don't care. I think it's a puppy that deserves to be kicked. Uh, because we're gone over simple now on border in this country and the sooner we stop or take some limit on the constant over and back and over and back and over and back, the free and easy use of our border, uh, uh, the, the, the sooner we get a, get a handle on this. It's, it's rampant. They're riddled up there, riddled with it. And we are trying our best to get it under control here. Unless we do something with the border, we're knackered. I'm going to kick that puppy as hard as I need to kick it, unfortunately, because I agree with Leo. It isn't often I say that, but I do. I agree with Leo on, on this one in particular. But first of all, before I go to a couple of your comments, um, our headline for today with Sanitize Ireland Natural Solutions. We've been doing this all week with them. They've given us some appropriate prizes, as it were, for the times that are in it. And today we've got uh, ULV fogging equipment, 4.5 litres of it, and 5 litres of natural disinfectant. So we're giving you fogging stuff today. We've seen how useful these are in a lot of places. Imagine how how good would Christmas dinner be with everyone over if you could fog the place before and after? How safe would it be? It'd be great. 1850-715-996. What I want you to do is I give you a headline from the newspapers and I want you to rewrite it for me. This one is about the, the toy show. We now know that tomorrow night will be a tribute to the work of Roald Dahl, which would be great. And and for example, I think we'll probably have we'll probably have the Oompa Loompas tomorrow night. I can't wait for the Oompa Loompas. I love the Oompa Loompas, politically correct and incorrect as they are. But the fantastic Mr. Tubbs is what the Daily Mail comes up with. Late 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 has pulled out Dahl the stops. So, late day toy show tomorrow night. The Oompa Loompas will be on it. The fantastic Mr. Fox will be on it. It's a tribute to Roald Dahl. It's the toy show that nearly didn't happen. Tuberty says it'll be the biggest toy show they've ever had, even though they won't have an audience. We'll have one of the guests on tomorrow. Uh, one of the young guests who's going up to take part in the toy show. So, toy show, toy show tomorrow night. Roald Dahl theme. You know what Roald Dahl did. You know the stories Roald Dahl wrote. So give me your headline. Make me laugh. We had a good one yesterday with the with pedestrianised in the streets. Make make me laugh. Give us a crack off that one. 083 396 96 96 with Sanitizer Ireland Natural Solutions. I will remind you again. I went to a few bars where the chipper food was served. Most of these pubs abused the system. Come Christmas, if given the chance, they'd pack those pubs and put us into lockdown in 2021. Marie says the one thing we've never heard is how many lives are we going to save 
and how many lives are we going to lose? It's very scary. I feel very sorry for that man. I encourage the government to support him and people to support him when things are normal again. And and he's not saying... Okay, but he's not... But he isn't saying and realising that people die. People get very sick. Irish people have done very well in this pandemic. And the reason why, we have a conscience. And we're brought up to think of lives, not economies. That's in response, I think, to Padraig Cribben. The question is always asked, is the bar and the doyle open? The bar and the doyle uh, was open under level two... Um, I'm not too sure if it was open recently. I'm sure anyone who knows might tell me, is it open at the moment? Remember, there are two bars. There's the members bar and there's the public bar. No, I have never been in the members bar. But I have been in the public bar many times and I don't think that's open. I don't think that's open. Whether the pubs open or not, there will be house parties. I can count on one hand the pubs within 20 kilometres of me that have a working kitchen in a pub, says Kevin. It'll kill the rural pub dead, no question. A pub kitchen has to be HACCP approved. Let your man from the Vintners know this. He already does. Yeah, but the thing is, you can't actually open a pub now of any kind, any decent kind, without HACCP anyway. So, Kate says, it's amazing that all the people making these decisions are not running businesses and have safe salaries. Here's one to think about. Who does Podrig think he is? In one breath, he accuses the Taoiseach of saying... He doesn't trust the public to obey restrictions in the pub. Then, he says people will have parties at home with no hand sanitizer or no social distancing. Those parties are few and far between. People will have friends over, no doubt, but in most cases it won't be over the allowed amount. People in the main will comply. As regards the pub, I do feel very sorry for them. I can't wait to go for a pint, but we're not allowed to drive after a pint. How can they trust people to obey restrictions after a few pints in the pub? This is about saving vulnerable lives, PJ. 1850-715-996. You and me both, mate, dying for a proper pint. But we may have to wait. And if the science says we have to wait, then we have to wait, unfortunately. Someone's not happy with me. Riddled, are you actually serious? People like you are the reason there's still a divide with the North and South. They're in a bad place, but for God's sake, cop on to yourself. You've no clue what's happening in the North. Uh, <laughs> not more than a month ago, they had the worst 14-day incidents in any region in Europe around the Derry area. So that's why I use the word riddled. And it doesn't seem to be coming down half as fast as they want it to be up there. They've had to have a second. They opened for a few days and they're closing again for another few days. They're in real trouble up there. Real trouble. That's my point. 1850-715-996, which is a pity because it was doing so well. It was doing, actually did better than us in the summertime. The area where I went on my holidays, up there on the Causeway Coast, the little village where I stayed, they hadn't had a case or anything like a case, not a sniff of a case. In, in weeks when I was up there. 1850-715-996. We were in the studio yesterday uh, down at the Today Show on RTE when the news broke uh, that this man had, had passed away. And very quickly we were cobbling our thoughts as to what to say about him. And the only thing he could say about him was he was, quite simply, different class. Enrique to Maradona. 
different class. Diego Armando Maladonna. Bilardi, the manager, wants them back to play on the game. But everyone in the stadium, the England fans included, the commentators, the press bench, everybody on their feet in acclamation of one of the greatest goals that the World Championship has seen. All from the feet and brains of one man. Not only was it one of the most perfect goals scored, he he took the ball in his own half, 11 touches, including a couple of skips, past five English players, left the goalkeeper Shilton on his backside and scored that wonder goal watched by, by Jimmy McGee and all, all McGee had to say was different class and summed it all up. Do I hear Huey Finnerty? Were you at that match? Good morning. Yeah, I was lucky enough to be at that game, I suppose. Yesterday kind of brought back a lot of memories from about 36 years ago. I hadn't thought about in a while, you know. Yeah. But yeah, divine or different class or God or mortal, you could add any of those words, you know. Mm. Because he was, I was thinking about it yesterday, he was the Freddie Mercury of football. He had it all, he then had some more, and he had some more. Oh, yeah, well, the 1986 World Cup made him. I mean, he won that for Argentina on his own, you know. Because, mm. I mean, if you go back to 82, he did play in 82, but you had, you know, all, all the... And then in 78, all the good players, the the Kempes and the, and the Passarellas and, and, and all those, and he was kind of lost. But most of those, Bar Passarella, didn't make the 86 squad, but he did, you know. Yeah. And he, he definitely carried them. Like, yeah. To the, you know, super- to the, the 82 only- squad was a superior squad. Well, you see, you had a lot of big names in that, you know, and yeah. they were all in their late 20s, early 30s, so they, they were gone by 86. Yeah. And he was coming up then, and obviously with Napoli, he went to Napoli in 84. Yeah. And, like, you know, they, stopped, they, they won their first league ever after that, you know. Yeah, he was, he was a magician. He was only a tiny little fella. He was only five foot five. Five foot five, but he's low centre of gravity. I, I remember watching that second goal. I remember being 40 yards away from the first goal. But we, <laughs> the shell, the handball, the hand of God. Oh, yeah. But, uh, yeah, but the second goal, I remember watching that. I mean, his shoulder was nearly touching the ground, passing some of those players, you know. I yeah. mean, five foot two or three, but an unreal centre of gravity. Like, mm. you couldn't I'm get the ball off. When he leaned down that low, you couldn't just... The ball was always on the opposite side from whoever was trying to take it off him, you know. I must watch that goal, I'd say... 10 or 12 times since last evening trying to get the commentary, Jimmy's commentary which was perfect for the moment and like that in the story there was no way, to, he, he was like trying to swat a fly you couldn't oh, yeah, get near that, that him was, I mean that's where he came to the 486 World Cup yeah. you know, and unfortunately after that then things went downhill, you know, yeah. he ended up being sent home from another World Cup and that's right, and the cocaine addiction nearly ruined his life and all that, well, that, you know? that started in Barcelona and got worse than Napoli, you know yeah, yeah. No, in fairness, he spent the last few years of his life then with UNICEF and, and, yes. and tried to give something back, you know. Yes, yes, he did, and he was he was a very like he was he was a man of great goodness in terms of his intention. Well, uh, yeah, uh, well, his intentions were good, yeah, but you mm. know, he, he he had a warped reality oh, yeah. of who he was, and he couldn't go anywhere or couldn't, you know, in Napoli, the, the Church of Maradona was found in Napoli, that's right, like, that's right. like a cult. That's you know? right, he was. 
It was mad. Got his first football at the age of three. Now his other, his two brothers played soccer as well. Where do you? Was it just something that he was born with? Do you think, Huey, or was it something? Or you know, did he? What? How do you get that good as a child? Well, I mean, there has to be natural talent. Yeah. You know, there has to be natural talent. And, and I mean, you'll see that in every sport. Some, somebody who's good at soccer, is good at football, is good at holding. So there has to be a natural talent. And then everything else really is. Like anything's practice, practice, practice. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That's what, and, and, and a good mentors, good coaches around you, you know. And, and to be honest, I suppose, getting the breaks. I mean, Sheffield United offered 180k to buy him back in... Was it 1981? Like, imagine if they if that that was rejected. If that, he'd have been playing with Sheffield United in England. <laughs> when you think of it, too. And yeah. a few few months later, then there was a million offered by Barker Juniors, and yeah. when he went there, then that's where he took off. You know. Yeah, he said George Best was his inspiration. He actually died on Best anniversary. Yeah, same day as wasn't it? Twenty fifth. Yeah. But um, yeah, so look, I I, I do I, I kind of had been following. That's why I went to Mexico first day. I had been following his career, and I, I had a few bar put away, and I just decided, you know what? Why not do something I'll never forget? You know? Yeah, and, and you never uh, will. Flaked after for six weeks. Yeah. No different times, different experience. Yeah. Easier to mix with players, easier to meet people. Yeah. You know, you didn't have the internet, so you had none of that. Yeah, yeah, which was, uh, when you look back, was probably a better world. <laughs> oh, yeah, and I mean, even the fact that Mexico had the earthquakes, everything was, you That's know, right. like, it, 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 it was phenomenal. You wouldn't even know there was an earthquake there. But it, and uh, mixing with the, there was the English fans, the Northern Ireland were there, Scotland were there, you know, uh, France, and, and like everybody kind of mixed and, and chatted and, you know, to, you know, 150,000 people in, in a stadium. That's yeah. incredible. Like That is yeah. phenomenal. That is phenomenal. All right, listen, Huey, thank you for your time this morning. Appreciate that. And you have your memories. You'll always have them. Huey Finnerty was at that match in, in 86 where Maradona scored that wonder goal. Kevin says he was the greatest player of his generation. The goal against Belgium was better. <laughs> you see, people are of that opinion always. Uh, one goal was better than the other, but it it came out, I think, as the top five sporting moments of all time when they did a poll a few years ago. Eighteen fifty seven one five nine nine six. The opinion line on Corks ninety six FM with Lehan Motors leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your two one one Toyota. See LehanMotors.ie. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan on Quartz 96 FM. 1850-715-996 is the number. Text or WhatsApp is 083-396-9696. The email, opinion at 96fm.ie. Twitter is at OpinionLine96 with the hashtag OL96. And of course you can always contact us on Facebook through the Quartz 96 FM Facebook page. Send us a message and mark it for the attention of the opinion line. Tomorrow is when we close your requests for bits that you'd like to hear again from the year 2020. Had a few interesting suggestions come in. We're running a series of shows between Christmas and New Year. And we want your help to put them together. If there was an interview or a guest or an item or a feature or a quirky call that made you laugh, made you cry, made you mad during the year and you'd like to hear it again let us know 
opinion at 96fm.ie and we'll take it into consideration when putting those programmes together uh, for the Christmas season. But uh, I was saying earlier on this morning that I was taking note of the two sides of the argument that was being made about the North. Leo Varadkar apparently told his, according to the papers, told his parliamentary party that the government may have to advise people against travelling to the north. Not ban travel to the north, but advise people against it, warn them not to. Do the very same with the north that they've done with Spain and France and Portugal and Germany and Greece and America. Advised against non-essential travel. The north has never been part of the non-essential travel advisory since the start. Radker said last night that it, it might need to be uh, given the situation there and the situation here. Michal Martin came out quick as a flash this morning and said that wouldn't be happening, that there was no way they were going to stop people or even ask people to stop going to the north. I made the point in the first hour of the programme that I can see Leo, what Leo Radker is saying. The problems of COVID-19 in the north are far worse or considerably worse than they are down here. We, we, we are getting a grip on it slowly, but we're getting there. But in the north, they have multiple problems. And only a month ago, they had one of the highest 14-day incidences of it in the whole of Europe. And I, I, I agreed with Leo Varadkar that people shouldn't travel to the north at the moment if they can avoid it at all. And, and I said that I didn't often agree directly with Leo, but I, I do on this occasion. Mary, you're not too happy with me. Good morning to you. Good morning. Hi, how are you? Hi, yeah, I'm, I'm good, thank you. Um, no, I just, when I heard that this morning, I wouldn't normally ring into things like this, but I I just felt really um, sad to think that, I suppose people in court don't realise if they have family in the north, what, what it's like to not see them for a full year. And I can hear people planning, or I'm meeting such and such on Christmas Day and someone else on St Stephen's Day and people are out in town on Saturday night and I, I think to myself I've done everything I can this year um, to stick by the rules and I just want to see my parents for Christmas and they want to see their grandchildren County Down isn't it you're from? Yes I'm from County Down and I know it's it's an area of the Arts Peninsula which doesn't have many COVID cases I know the likes of Derry and that is quite bad in the border counties but I have thought a lot about it and I know that it, it's not as uh, high of cases there and I, I, I'm, my heart is saying I'm going home for Christmas mm, Yeah, Where you're going, the, the area you're going, you're probably quite safe to go yes, there yeah. Yes, and I'm only talking from my point of view and I've looked at it, I know maybe pick places like Derry and Donegal they're on the border there it's quite bad but I feel that in my case I like I feel like I have to go home for Christmas I haven't seen my parents mm. all year and Skype and Zoom is not, no, it's not the same no. and look there are people from all over the world and despite being told or advised shall we say by the Chief Medical Officer and by Leo Varadkar and others look Maybe not this year. Don't be coming home from America. Don't be coming home from the UK. Don't be coming home from anywhere. A lot of people have said, "Saw that I'm I'm coming home," and, and that's kind of your your feeling as well. Yeah, well, we're on the same island. We're not flying anywhere. We're we're driving. We're in our car. We're driving from Cork to County Down. We won't be stopping uh, much. We'll be going straight home, and we'll we'll be staying in the house. We're we're not causing any. Mm 
problems, there's no airports or anything. And I just feel that in my case that I just can't miss them for Christmas. I've never missed a Christmas um, since I moved to Cork. How long have you been here? Uh, ten years nearly. Yeah. And you'd be heading up when? Around Christmas Eve or maybe the day before? Well, the schools finish on the 23rd, so maybe that night the home for Christmas Eve. Yeah, yeah which I'm sure would be absolutely lovely. And I'm sure you, you still intend to go ahead with it. Yeah, I, I do. I, we've been talking a lot about it. it. If it be level three, level two, but mm. it's the, I I feel that the Taoiseach is going to give us um, a chance to get home for Christmas if he can for them yeah. few days just to give people a, a break. See, I I don't think, and and I'm I I said I agreed with Leo Varadkar, and in the way I do, but I don't think he's talking. Usually, Leo uses words with the precision of a sledgehammer. I don't think he means you. I, I think he means people heading up to Newry with the car empty yeah. and coming back foolish. That's what he doesn't want. Yeah, well, I know that my friends have said there's lots of people from Dublin accents in Belfast this week shopping. So when I hear things like that, that makes me think, why can I not go home if, if this is happening and they're meant to be in a level five lockdown? I think that's what he's getting at because retail yeah. stayed open during the lockdown up there as opposed to down here and I know yeah. a friend of mine who'd be a fairly frequent visitor to Newry now hasn't been there at any time in the last couple of months but said from his own contacts up there the place is absolutely thronged. Yeah, well, I don't think that's fair and it's not fair in Cork here. You can hardly get a pair of socks for your child without, you know, we've nowhere to go. So why should you be able to go from Dundalk or Dublin to the north? Yeah. But I can see that point as well. But I just think that anyone living here that wants to see their family for Christmas and they're they're going to be careful and going by the rules and doing all the social distancing and whatever the best they can. I think what's going to happen um, is that they're going to relax the ban on travel in the country from about the 19th of December. So you'll be okay to go home. Yeah, I, ho- I hope so. From from what I'm hearing, yeah. uh, it's just when I heard Leo, um, I seen the comment last night, I got a bit worried, and then I seen the Irish examiner this morning, so uh, mm. that... Um, because the North happy. never... I, I went on holidays uh, in the summertime to the North. I was there for, for, for 10 wonderful days. I really loved it. Um, but, like, th- th- there was no advice not to cross into the North at all or yeah. back then. And the situation in the North was very good then. I was up on the Causeway Coast and they hadn't had a case where I was for weeks and weeks and weeks. Yeah. Uh, you know, and I, I can see why you want to get to the Arts Peninsula. I mean, it's gorgeous. Like, you know, apart from being home, it's gorgeous. Yes, no, it's beautiful. And I just feel that my heart's saying I have to go home no matter what. Um, I, I've tried, I've done everything I can. Um, you know, and I, I like I go into court there maybe on Saturday night there I went to see the Christmas lights and it's full of people out in the streets and I'm thinking I I went home because I didn't feel comfortable. So I just feel that I am trying the best I can and I should be able to go to see my parents. Do you know what? I, I I love for you to be able to go and see your parents and I think I think they will they're not going to clamp down like that. Do you know? I yeah. think what they what they want to do they want to stop the people going up and down over the border to shop. That's what they're looking for. Yeah, well, that's different. That's a different matter. Um, it's just, 
I, when you said you you wouldn't be sure why people would need to go to the north, but I was just wanting to say that there is a difference when it's family. And of course, not there is. for shopping. There absolutely is. There absolutely is. Um, and 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 Margaret, you thank you for for mentioning that to me. Don't forget people with family because because that's easy to forget. Thank you for yeah. your call. And you know what? I hope to goodness you do get to go. Yeah, thank you very much. Take thank care you. of yourself. Cheers. Thanks. That's Mary. 1850 I should probably have tempered my remarks that if you don't have to go there, she feels she has to go there. She feels she absolutely has to go there. She has to be with her family for Christmas. She's in the Ards Peninsula. Their case rate is very low. She wants to go and she goes every year. And you know what? I can see her point. But as usual, bleeding dogs like... I'll have a dub on the phone now in a second. The bleeding dubs can't control themselves. 1850-715-996. There is a move to do something about debitums. A significant move involving a significant individual. A very significant individual. I'll go there next. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With Lehan Motors, leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota. See lehanmotors.ie. You guys ready? Watch out, watch out. The Big Drive Home, weekdays from 4. On Cork's 96FM. Hey, it's Lorraine. This week on The Big Drive Home, the incredible 10K toy giveaway continues. Sarah, you've won a 500 euro toy shopping spree! Lauren, thank you so much and we love your station. We'll get you the latest on Cork traffic, the biggest showbiz stories and the best music mix. Join me every weekday from four. The Big Drive Home. With Ford Lease. Takes the hassle out of vehicle leasing. If you're a business, it's easy to budget with no unforeseen costs. Cork's 96 FM. This is Cork's Gold Imro Award winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 083 396 96 96 on Quartz 96 FM. Now, while I have huge sympathy for Mary, I do. Honestly and genuinely, I do. A lot of people don't. At least some of the people contacting us this morning don't. But I will get to that uh, in a moment. However, I want to go back to a headline. Bear with me now for a second. I want to go back to a headline from the examiner of Saturday 24th March 2012 so that's well over 8 years ago now written by my good pal Owen English and it was that the beta cortex workers had agreed to mediation talks the move came as they come to 100 days of their dispute they accepted a proposal from the Labour Relations Commission after meeting SIP2 representatives the process was suggested by the LRC's head of conciliation Kevin Foley. Kevin Foley. Now, remember that name. He was, at the time, he was Head of Conciliation at the Labour Relations Commission. Uh, Kevin Foley, that was in 2012, and he started the ball rolling, trying to cut a deal uh, with Vita Cortex back in 2012. Now, we know where the Debenhams strike is. It's in, it's 200 and, I've lost count now, it's 230 something days at this stage. I think Christmas Day, if it gets there, will be day 260. So it's 230 
days now, or 231 or 232 days at this stage. And last week, the Taoiseach had a Zoom meeting with the, the trade unions and with the shop stewards about where they go from here. And it came, an announcement was made last night that the self-same Kevin Foley was getting involved. Taoiseach spoke about this last evening. I did meet with the Mandate Union and the Shop Stewards last week and I did say that we were going to consider the, and not consider, we uh, activate a third party intervention. We want the basis for that third party intervention to be effective uh, and hopefully to achieve an outcome to this resolution. I would appeal to all parties concerned to give space to facilitate the intervention of a third party that might, might, I'm not saying it will, but that might be able to affect the resolution of this long-running strike and long-running situation for the women concerned. And we now know that that uh, intervention will be by, by Kevin Foley, who, as I'm sure you'll know as a shop steward, Valerie, of many years, Valerie Conlon from, from Debenhams. Kevin Foley is one of the top men when it comes to cutting deals like this, isn't he? Good morning. He is, and he is always the one that they would call in for these kind of situations. He's a top man. But he's good at what he does. He also won't go into something if he doesn't see a point to it. Well, that's it. He wouldn't agree to something unless he thought that he could bring an end to it. So, hopefully. Mm. Were you expecting something like that to come from your meeting with the Taoiseach? Uh, Yeah. You know, I was reading between the lines. We were all reading between the lines last week. And we knew the next step of it really could only be the Labour Court. So, we kind of guessed that's what it would be. Yeah. You know. So, what was the what's the mood among the troops this morning? It's what day two thirty one now, isn't there two thirty two? Yeah, two yeah two thirty two. I think I should be keeping more of a count. Um, yeah. I'm kind of losing it at this stage. <laughs> uh, we're cautious. We're mm. trying to be optimistic, but I think after the WRC, we went into that very open minded, and we kind of came out very disappointed. Mm. So we're hoping we're we're afraid. I suppose, really, to be a little bit more optimistic. Of course. But we're being hopeful about it. Do, do you know what the process will be? Will you get to meet Mr Foley individually or will it be around the table or what? I'm assuming it's because of COVID. I'm assuming it will be by WebEx again. Yeah. You know, so at that stage, if it's by WebEx, he'll just probably let either all 11 shop stewards or pick a handful like we did with Michal Martin. Yeah. And uh, we do it that way. Yeah, I recall what happened with, with, with Cortex back in the day was they went to a hotel and the workers were in one end of the hotel and the representatives of the company were in the other end and he shuttled between yes, two rooms. Between, you could find yeah. him shuttling between two Zoom meetings here or two WebEx meetings. Yeah, that's the way it always works. So like you, the two, you, the, he would talk to us first and then he'd be talking to KPMG first or whoever else would be represented there. Yeah. And uh, he'd be coming between the two of us then, yeah. Yeah. You know? Valerie, the first thing that occurred to me when I saw the name and I saw the development was that you may find yourselves, and I'm only speculating here, you may find yourselves being asked to vacate while talks continue. Is that an option? Uh, Something that we'll have to talk about, but if it's the case that we're asked to vacate, then we will be asking KPMG also to step down. Uh, There'll have to be trust on both sides. Yeah. And um, if we have to stop, obviously they'll have to stop. Right. You know. So when do you hope to hear the next chapter? When are you hoping to hear what happens now? Uh, well, sooner rather than later. We want to get just settlement now at this stage to get yeah. people off the street. Okay. So we need it sooner rather than later. I know these things probably aren't easy to set up. 
Uh, a lot of these, uh, the Labour Court probably has been cancelled over COVID. So there might be one or two extra slots going around the place that they'd be able to fit us in. Okay, all right. Well, you we'll know? see where it goes. And if we, if you, if we hear any more, uh, we'll, we'll stay in touch. That's Valerie Conlon uh, from the Mandate Trade Union, shop steward with Debitums, day 232, we think. And uh, Kevin Foley agreeing to mediate. There are those who've been arguing, in particular uh, the boys and girls on the proc have been arguing that there is no story here and there is no case here. And that's, you're entitled to that view. But my view of Kevin Foley and my experience as a journalist covering industrial relations going back many, many years would be Kevin Foley won't get involved unless he thinks there's something he can do. 1850-715-996. We will watch this one with massive interest. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With Lehan Motors, leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota. See lehanmotors.ie. Access all areas on Cork's 96FM. Your guide to nightlife on side. Hi, it's Michael here with an update on Cork's entertainment. Triscoll Arts Centre presents in association with the National String Quartet Foundation, a season of quartets featuring performances of Beethoven's string quartets in celebration of the 250th anniversary of the composer's birth. Further details on the tickets can be found online at triscollartcentre.ie. Access all areas. Tickets are now on sale for a specially streamed New Year's Eve show at Cork Opera House featuring one of Ireland's best singer-songwriters, Mick Flannery. It's part of an online programme of events coming up at the Opera House between now and the end of the year with further details available at corkoperahouse.ie. Access all areas. Feel free to let us know at Access All Areas if you have a rescheduled show or any live streaming events by emailing AAA at 96. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Access all areas. Your guide to nightlife on the side. On Cork's 96 FM. He was in the first man leading all the time. All the time, yes. He was a brave man. Brave man. A great soldier. Great soldier. Great fighter. I have no doubt my view was they were peace-loving men but they were forced in to take the action they had to take. Very few people knew where they were buried in case of reprisals from the Black and Tens. The people here lived, I believe, in fear 
of the black and tents for the reprisals. And of course, as those coffins were being taken through Cork City, some of the locals were saying, send back the empties and we'll fill them again. So it, it, was, it was a terrible time. That's a trailer for a new documentary on the Kilmichael ambush, which was one of the most notable events of the War of Independence in, in West Cork. It's been put together by a father and son team, Shane and Cullum Cronin, and they join me now. Morning, lads. Colm, you can remember your dad telling you about the ambush. Tell, tell, tell listeners about it. Younger listeners might have come across it in history but wouldn't really know the story. Well, indeed. Yeah, I remember um, my father telling me about the um, hearing the, the, the gunfire from the ambush in actual fact. You know, at that time, uh, everybody was... The whole country, always Cork in particular, were terrorised by the auxiliaries. It was a very, very tough time, and um, Tom Barry decided enough was enough, and uh, so he called them into arms, and uh, he, he created this absolutely amazing confrontation that uh, really shook the British establishment without going into detail. Mm. There have been plays written, written about it, books written about it, research projects done on it. Your new documentary was put together in, in a few weeks using the most modern... Uh, of digital platforms, Shane? Yeah, TJ, yeah. So I suppose because we were in lockdown, I suppose we had to try and reach out to people at a distance and uh, online was, was key to that. So we had a few uh, Zoom interviews with um, with Eve Morrison and uh, Eunan O'Halpin in Dublin and Trinity. And we also had Jerry White, military historian in Cork, um, even though he's up the road. Mm. We still had to, to kind of tap, yeah. tap in online. And then... Uh, what what Sharky doesn't there. know is barely worth knowing, like, to be fair to the man. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely, yeah. Yeah. Uh, like, when you look at it, these were a very professional British force. And Tom had a gathering of people around him, dedicated but under-equipped, really. But they still took him on. They still took them on, uh, and you must uh, just remember that they were also the auxiliaries were well armed. They were they must have been very very intimidating to the people of the time because they were they were well paid. They were on a pound a day, which was huge money at the time. They were well paid. They 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 had a brief from the British Crown establishment to terrorise the the resistance and and bring it to its knees. And really, they had an open agenda, and uh, they did that. I mean, they came in. They came into our place at one point. My father told me, and uh, they, they raided our home. Yeah. And as they were searching our haggard, they spotted a neighbour about a half a mile away, walking across the land, minding his own business. But they threw themselves on top of a turf rake, and they took careful aim, and they tried to shoot him. Yeah. Now, it was everyday events like this that fueled the resistance and fired up the likes of Tom Barry. They just couldn't take it. Yeah. What's interesting about this is you're going to publish in media for the first time uh, the Chisholm tapes. What are they? Remind us again, what are they? The Chisholm tapes were a series of recordings done by a father, Chisholm, and he, he um, recorded surviving members of the Flying Column and in great detail, and they have been kind of shrouded in mystery, I suppose, over the years, and they have been um, held you know, fairly tightly. And two of these um, recordings that we have had the, the, the great privilege of, of getting our hands on mm-hmm. and permission to use are being um, aired on the show tonight. Right. And they take us right into the heart of the action with yeah. first-hand accounts. 
never before heard. These are people who actually were there on the day? Absolutely. When were those tapes recorded, Colm? Those tapes were recorded uh, at individuals' homes, uh, I expect, somewhere around the 19th, through the 1960s. Oh, my God. I think the last, maybe, um, around the 19... Oh, yeah, at the end of the 60s, I think. This this is... This is gold. This is diamond stuff. Pure, absolute gold. Yeah. And how come a father and son team like this has achieved it when no one else did to get their hands on these tapes? Well, I suppose we're closely associated with copying archaeological, historical and cultural ah. society. And um, in, in fairness, Shane has been very, very good as well through the years with us from a technical point of view, etc. And I've been passionate about this because it's sort of part of our psyche almost around here. And uh, we've been tipping away at it. And when you're immersed in something, you, you make contacts and you, you, you create a network and you get to know people and you support people and they support you. And uh, through that, we have built up a network of support and uh, of knowledge. That Trust, I suspect, if you're going to get such precious stuff handed to you to use. Great, great. Now, Shane, when can we get to see this piece of work? Because I can't wait to see it. Uh, good stuff. Well, it's on tonight, PJ. Um, if people go to copyinheritage.com, uh, all the details are up there. It's on at 9.30 tonight, so just okay. after the evening news. And will there be permanent access to it then through YouTube or something? There will indeed, yeah, yeah. So it's, it's going to actually be live on YouTube um, and I suppose there forevermore afterwards uh, for posterity. I cannot wait to see it because it puts a whole new angle on something that I think we as Cork people should know so well, the intricacies of what went on. And it sounds like you've done a remarkable piece of work. Um, so, so congratulations in advance on it. I can't wait to see it. That's Shane Cronin and Cullum Cronin, the father and son team behind the Kilmichael Ambush documentary, A Story of a Century. Uh, Copyingheritage.com is where you'll find it or it'll be on YouTube. I mentioned for our Sanitize Ireland competition, we want you to give us a good headline for a story in the newspapers. And it's been revealed now that tomorrow's toy show will have a Roald Dahl theme about it. And the fantastic Mr. Fox and the Oompa Loompas will be on and other Roald Dahl characters. I wonder will you have anyone there for the tales of the unexpected. Yes, he wrote those too. So something to do with the toy show and the show that must go on and the Roald Dahl and the Oompa Loompas and Mr. Fox and Ryan Tuberty and it nearly didn't happen and all of that. Give me a good headline on the toy show. Nice funny one. Make me laugh or make me cringe. I don't care. And we have a great prize for you once again from Sanitize Ireland Natural Solutions. Your entries, please, to text or WhatsApp 083-396-9696. Here's something else that's happening online, entertainment-wise, that you will enjoy. So I'm going to be using baking to explore the engineering behind how we keep astronauts alive in space and how we return them safely to Earth. Here's my bicarbonate of soda. In it goes, reacts with the heat, a little whisk by exploring how we get air into honeycomb. That is the exact same method that we're able to protect against micrometeorites on the space station, except instead of sugar, we use metal, and we do a metal foam, uh, but it works with exactly the same principle. I can actually throw this at my honeycomb, and it will not break. And the reason that's happening is because all those air bubbles on the inside mean that uh, it absorbs the impact. This is exactly what we use on the space station. Now, that kind of enthusiasm about baking 
and tying it in with science. That immediately had me reeled in say, yeah, what? Andrew Smith, good morning. Good morning, PJ. Delighted to talk to you. Finalist, of course, in 2016 of the Great British Bake Off, but an engineer and a, a physicist and all those things. And that was a fantastic thing that you tie in. That that particular, for, for listeners who are wondering what I'm talking about, you made honeycomb on stage and you demonstrated how that works the same as the kind of thing that protects astronauts in space. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's a little thing I call kind of baconeering. So com- combining these worlds of, of baking and engineering, which I kind of find myself in the middle of, because everybody knows baking, but I think there's a lot of misconceptions about engineering. So that's what, what led Neve and I to create this, this new show, was exploring those fun overlaps between those two seemingly uh, separate disciplines. Well, I would have had no idea <laughs> whatsoever about that. It's pretty unusual. It's pretty unusual. It's it's brilliant. That was uh, it's it's the best little experiment you could possibly have used to promote what you're talking about. Neil Shaw, come in there for me. Good morning. Hi, Peter. How are you? Good morning to you too. The show that you're putting on the online show, it's all that kind of science, isn't it? It is, yeah, and it's also talking to people who are working in the space sector. You know, we have we have an astronaut Helen Sharman. And we also have uh, one of our very own Irish scientists working at the Astronaut Centre um, in Cologne. And we have uh, food scientists down the road from UCC. And they're all working out about, uh, they're all kind of involved in figuring out how we can keep humans alive, basically, in extreme conditions. So Aidan Cowley's work is actually looking at the, the, the top soil of the moon, which is called the regolith and figuring out ways that we can extract oxygen from it and maybe use it as a power source. So we'll be talking about that. And we have somebody that participated in the 520-day simulated Mars mission, which means that he was locked up with five other men in, in Russia for 520 days to simulate what it would be like as if you were going on a Mars mission, uh, there, having a three-month mission and, and back again. And then Britain's first astronaut, Helen Sharman, she shares her experiences of, of what it was to li- what it was like to live on the mirror, particularly eat on the mirror. And, um, and, and then we have um, experts then from food science and nutrition department in UCC that are working on, on basically looking at food in terms of 3D printing, like actually being able to design your own ingredients to make products. So it's all around space, it's all around science, and um, and and baking, obviously, yeah, it's amazing. Andrew involved. There's the tie-in, of course. Not only Andrew, where you win the the, the Bake Off in 2016, but you are by profession an aerospace engineer. Um, and and like you said, baconeering is an interesting tie-in of the two. But the fascination, I think, with space. So, top of this earlier in the week with the lads in Blackrock Castle Observatory. The fascination we have in Ireland with space. Uh, it we must be grist to your mill that we want to learn all this stuff. Andrew, you see that? Sorry, yes. Sorry, I thought that was a question for Neve. Yes, no, no. no, I think it's fantastic. <laughs> I mean, Neve has such incredible connections in the space industry, and I think you know we, we get a fun mix in this show. We have some edible experiences, uh, edible experiments rather that people can try at home. You know, we've we've got some amazing guests. I guess that's one of the things that we've been able to do this year remotely is we've been able to kind of get some real amazing experts answering questions like, how do you actually cook in space? Um, what would a space muffin recipe look like? Helen Sharman helped us out with that one. So um, there's so many fun overlaps we're looking at. And, uh, you know, it, it's completely free and the feedback's been amazing so far. Yeah, it's part of Discover Cork, um, isn't it? And and it's yeah. it's you've had to go online, but in in a way it'll suit an event like this. 
Well, I, mean, I really, yeah, I really do think so. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah, sorry, you go ahead, to, Dave. You go sorry, ahead. Andrew, yeah, well, we have, we have to, we have to bend, you know. So, um, and and actually, you know, uh, living in the extremes is kind of a little bit of what we've been kind of living in this this year. You know, is trying to survive in isolation. So it ties in really well. And I think at this stage, everybody understands that this is the new norm until until things change. And the whole. Um, the whole model of this has has worked well for science week and we got great engagement and you know and, and the show is zippy enough like we fly through things and we don't linger too long on anything because we understand that when you're when you're online and um, the attention span is very different and we spent a lot of time planning out this show i'll tell you months months and then editing it and putting it together and working with British Council and always the ACOLT who have been funding us from the start. And so it's many people who share our passion for communicating science in, in, a, in a way that doesn't feel like it's science. I think that's, that's the thing that Andrew and I have in common. We're looking for new ways to present science to people who particularly feel that science isn't for them. And this is a perfect um, construct for that. And all the guests involved, they all share our passion. So there's just fun and and um, and that united just will to create the absolute best possible version of an online baking in space that will match the chaos that we had at the live event. And I think we've succeeded. I think I think we've done a good job. Chris, we all did go mad on the baking. <laughs> During the lockdown, I, yeah. I swear to Christ, if I ever see another slice of bin banana bread, it will be too late, or too much. But we have Gillian Murphy, the psychologist at UCC, who actually explains why we all went mad baking and why why cooking has become became such a massive thing for us in those early days, and maybe for some it, it continues. You know? Yeah, the, because you you know people think science isn't for them, but as someone who can't bake. You'll probably tell me now. You'll probably tell me now, Andrew. Everyone can bake, but as someone who can't bake, wouldn't know how can wouldn't know how to mix. It is science in action. It's putting a whole lot of things into a bowl and applying heat, which is yeah, exactly. science. I mean, you've, you've distilled it pretty well there. It is. It is science. I think um, where people sometimes go wrong is they take on a huge multi-level cake project for the first time, and then inevitably, just the first time you're learning anything, it goes a little bit wrong, and then people. They, um, you know, oh, it's it's not for them. So I, I believe you can bake, TJ. I believe. <laughs> Why did everyone go mad on baking during lockdown? Do you think? Well, Julian, it's a combination of things. I think it's. Go ahead, Grandrea. Yeah. Well, I don't want to. I don't want to spoiler too much, Neve, about the seasoning. No. <laughs> oh, go on, give me something. <laughs> okay, <laughs> okay you, you've twisted my arm. I think it's it's soothing, right? You know, it's something kind of uh, that you can put your mind to it's distracting it's kind of multi-sensory and obviously at the end you've got something that you know we might not be able to take it into people's houses to share but I've certainly been kind of posting cookies through friends letterboxes nearby <laughs> recently so it's, it's a nice thing to kind of be able to do or you could just scoff a lot for yourself yeah I think I'll stick with the second option <laughs> so so Neve, how do we go about seeing it well, it's, uh, you can just log in to BritishCouncil.ie. Um, I think go there and you'll see a, you'll see a, a button to take you to the Baking in Space um, event. But if not, it's like Baking in Space or BritishCouncil.ie backslash Baking in Space, and just register. That's it. Just register, and then what happens is is that people get sent then the link to to watch it. And myself and Andrew will be in the chat chatting to people as well live tonight, so you can ask Andrew all sorts of questions that you want and he'll be there to answer them and, and I'll be there as well so I, 
you know, it's it, we, that's the best that we can give in terms of being present, you know. On top I'll of make a bet with you, Andrew, right? And that is that somebody watching the the production will will see you in there for a live chat, and will say, will send in a question and go, Andrew, any way I can keep my Christmas cake from sinking? <laughs> that's what they're going to ask, like. I'm, I'm there for engineering and baking tips. So if people want to ask me how to make the perfect soda bread, how to get a nice rise on their cake, more than happy to answer those questions. Anything goes. And please tell me not a soggy bottom in sight. Oh, of course not. Of course not. Great notion. <laughs> <laughs> All right, listen, it sounds like an awful lot of fun. And it's great to see so many things going online that we thought yeah. six months ago we just have yeah. to cancel them for good. Yeah. You know, yeah. It, I think it probably is a new way, isn't it, Neil, for shows like I think yours? so, yeah. Yeah, you have to think we thought a lot. You really have to think. You can't just, just think that a live event is going to work the same online. So, for instance, if it's, if it's, if it's going to be a long conversation... That's fine for a particular audience. But if you're trying to appeal to a family audience and a young audience, their attention span, they won't be able to, to hold their attention. So you have to make it visual. You have to have things happening very quickly. And, and we thought a lot about that when, when we put it together. And um, I, I, I hope that people can see it, because can see the work um, that we've done. We, we think it works well and, um, and, and we're proud of it. Um, but there are lots of different types of online shows now. And yeah, I think it works. I, I think people now understand that this is a new way of getting information and, and they're okay with that. You can't beat live, no. but there are some things that work just as well online, you yeah. know? And this is going to be a, a lot of fun. Baking in Space 2020. It's on tonight. Uh, Dr. Neve Shaw and Andrew Smith. Thank you both. 1850-715-996. Um, could people be very careful on the roads? There's a really bad fog has clung to car. Look out. The, I can't, I'm looking out the, the window here now at Broadcasting House and I actually can't see beyond the end of Patrick. I can just about see Brown Thomas. I can just about make out Brown Thomas from here. That's how thick the fog is right now. So please, please be Kurumuk Ernamori. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With Lehan Motors, leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota. See lehanmotors.ie. It's Christmas time. Woo! Your favorite Christmas hit 24-7. Listen to Quartz 96 Miss streaming online now. Download our app or see 96fm.ie. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan on Quartz 96FM. Another round of the 10K toy giveaway at half past 11. That's in about 25 minutes, 24 minutes from now. We've had great success on the Opinion Line with our daily contestants getting through to the draw with Lorraine in the evening time and winning on that draw. I think we've had four winners now at this stage from the opinion line. So we've got two days of it left. We'll pick another contestant at half past 11. When you hear the cue to call, you know what to do. I'll ask you a question. If you have the answer to the question, you go through to the draw this evening with Lorraine on the big drive home. This is the final week of Cork's 96FM 10k toy giveaway giving away loads of 500 euro Smith's Toys Superstores shopping sprees for free with Johnston Perrett, Douglas, Bishopstown and Mahan Point for 2020 behind you and drive into 2021. Always open jpmg.ie More in about 
24 minutes. Come back to the story that's running through our programme all morning, and that is what is going to happen next week? What's going to happen after the 1st of December when Level 5 subsides, as it were? We come out of Level 5. In what shape will we come out of Level 5? What will we be allowed to do? Where will we be allowed to go? Will we be able to go to the pub? Will we be able to go to the restaurant? What will we be able to do for Christmas with our family? Will they be able to come to our house? Will we be able to go to theirs? Will we be able to travel into the next county uh, to go and visit family at Christmas time? Will we get a two-week reprieve? That looks like the size of it, a two-week reprieve. But, of course, the pubs then are rearing up, and I spoke to Padre Cribben about it from the Vintners Federation. He's livid. His members are livid because they feel they're being victimised, they feel they're being trampled upon, and they feel that if they're not there to control us, we'll just have big, massive house parties. That's the link that they're making. Uh, Mary is thinking about homes and thinking about our own homes and, and that they might actually be, if we're careful, some of the safest places we can be. Mary, good morning to you. Hi, PJ. I was just listening to all the rerun, rula or whatever about this this morning mm. and just thinking, like, the analogy has been used by the World Health Organization, NEFID, that this is a type of war we're fighting yeah. against an invisible enemy. Yeah. So basically we need to start thinking of our homes as air raid shelters or bomb shelters or you know as yeah. as and make them a safe and secure place to be for ourselves and our families. Yes. Like it's where we're safest asking people or you know creating that that encourages people to you know once you open the door you're leaving you're at risk of you know bringing the enemy into your house. Mm-hmm. Or going out and meeting it somewhere else. Yeah. And, you know, it's just, you no, know, we just have to, I not kind of suck it up, but just be rational about this, that kind of thing. You know, not, you know, it's, I suppose the, the problems that, you know, I know the employment and, you know, that is a huge factor for people and especially leading into Christmas and that and the uncertainty. But we need to get rid of this. Like, if we can fight the war and get rid of it and just, you know, yeah. push the enemy out. If it was chlorine, you know, if it was a visible gas yes. that was in the atmosphere. I think what the businesses are afraid of, though, is, yes, you're right, this is a war and we have to we have to battle it and we have to win it. But also we have to try to, you know, tone down the collateral damage as best we can. Well, then you're... You know that the decision has to be is uh, is the best way to get rid of this enemy a short, fast, mm. brutal campaign, or do we kind of go on for years around grow? You know. Yeah. But what are your own Christmas plans, or have you? Um, basically home. You know what I mean? It's it's a time I'm hoping to see. Um, we've. You know, we normally have visitors down from Tipperary and things like that. And, mm. you know, we're looking at alternatives, really, like maybe meeting somewhere halfway and going for a walk on the beach and having a picnic or something like that. Or, you know, going somewhere that we can meet up rather than actually what we have done traditionally, which is go to people's houses. But yeah. we're just looking for alternatives, you know what I mean, to... You, you wouldn't be inclined to have a crowd in for the Christmas dinner this year? Well, I the the 
dinner, I suppose, probably wouldn't be, you know, we'd normally have people staying over and things like that, actually, right. in the house as house guests. And yeah. we probably won't go down that route. But, like, kind of thing, as I say, I'm just trying to keep my home as safe as I possibly can have, you know, yeah. and just keep this thing so away from The one doors. thing that, that I suppose bothers me about the, the public health element of it and the scientists and the doctors is that if I want to have some people over to my house for a bit of a get together at Christmas time, I'm inviting people that I trust. I'm inviting people that I know that are closest to me and I trust them to not bring this into my house. And if I go to one of their houses, if I'm invited to someone's house, I will make sure that I won't bring or try to, as best I can to make sure oh, not to bring it into their absolutely, house. Absolutely, but we can see that like the school down in Glenmire, there is absolutely not a single one of them wanted that in their house or to bring it into their house and mm. the implications for those families, you know, and, you know, even the... Te- nobody... I, I think there are very few people that, you know, would deliberately go into somebody's oh, house yeah. knowing that they were causing a risk to oh, somebody yeah. else. I, you know, that's... Uh, again, my kind of thing, it's just the fact that this enemy is invisible. It's invisible to everybody. Yeah, yeah. You know, and we need to treat it as such. And again, you know, this drip feeding, like we're, as I say, opening the doors of our yeah. shelters and next thing, you know what I mean? That's, it's, that's it's not helping. In. The drip feed isn't helping. No, it's yeah. not. You know, like, you know, again, in a war, you choose between a short, brutal campaign or you do the Vietnam route and keep it going for you know you know the the, the analogy is, is is perfectly good Mary it's perfect it's perfectly good you know and it's it, it breaks my heart and the heart of many more to look ahead to to four weeks tomorrow and and four weeks Saturday which is a big day in my own house yeah. Stevens's day is a big day in mm-hmm. my house personally for for me and my family and hoping everything crossable crossed that we'll be able to do something Exactly, and I think, you know, that kind of, you know, measured approach. It's not, but, like, what kind of Christmases did people have over, during World War One? You know, and this has killed as many people as a war. Yeah. We have to be so, so careful. We have to try and get the best out of it. You know, the best people to mind ourselves, Mary, are ourselves. Absolutely. You know, and just make the best. You know, as I say, this isn't a year to get everything you want this is a year to be thankful for what you already have. Alright, that's a great way of putting it. That's a wonderful way of putting it we'll leave it at that Mary. Okay, thank, thank, thank you. you so much for your call. This is not a year to get what you want, this is a year to be grateful for what you have Thanks Mary, lovely little pearl of wisdom. We had a message from Africa, Northern Africa Hello Laura Laura's, <coughs> excuse me, Laura's listening live in North Africa, and says, I always go home for Christmas, but not this year. All my family are in Cork. I hate not going home, but I think it's the best thing to do. It's not worth risking all the efforts made for the sake of one big day. That message coming from Laura, listening live in North Africa. I want to find out more about Laura and her story, and we might get a chance to do that. We might just get a chance to do that. And as we come closer to Christmas... And as we plan for the Christmas week itself, we are on air Christmas Eve. Uh, we will do a Christmas special here, Christmas Eve. We haven't quite figured out what we'll do with it yet, but we have a Christmas show on Christmas Eve. 
and there'll be treats and special guests and special things that only happen at Christmas uh, with the opinion line on Christmas Eve. And then we have those special programmes between Christmas and just making us work for our wages this year. <laughs> Christmas Eve and our Christmas and New Year uh, with the looking back at the year. 1850-715-996. We just have to follow whatever comes out at Christmas from the government. I'm here dying to take a trip to the UK to see family that I didn't even see last year thinking I would this year. But I will tell you one thing. I'll do whatever the advice is. I will listen to the Taoiseach and I will listen to Dr Holohan and I will assume they're doing their best. That lady on air now is a rock of sense. 1850-715-996 on the Kilmichael Ambush documentary, which looks fascinating. A lot of people have been on asking where they can see the film. Go to copyingheritage.com. Copyingheritage.com. That's C-O-P-P-E-E-N Heritage. Dot com. Do you want me to spell heritage for you? All right. C-O-P-P-E-E-N-H-E-R-I-T-A-G-E dot com. Don't forget the www. You'll get a link to it there. It's on at half nine tonight, and then it'll be going permanently up onto the old YouTube. 1850-715-996 The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM With Lehan Motors Leading the way for Toyota hybrids The place to order your 211 Toyota See lehanmotors.ie This is Cork's Gold Imro Award winning talk show The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan Call us now 1850-715-996 On Cork's 96FM You know what? It'll turn up on some movie channel over Christmas. It always does. Don't miss it. One of the most iconic pieces of signature music from any movie. And it's just one of his movies. It won the Academy Award for Best Picture. He also made The Mission, which gave us the Nella Fantasia, the Gabriel Zobo. Another fantastic piece of music. It gave us The Killing Fields. It gave us Local Hero, which gave me a signature tune for many years. Midnight Express, which gave us another super hit for Giorgio Moroder. And Memphis Bell, another movie. His CV is one of the best in the movie business. He lives in Cork. His name is Lord David Putnam. He's a fascinating man. I've had the opportunity and the privilege of meeting him on more than one occasion and now eight UCC students are to get the opportunity to be mentored by Lord Putnam after being awarded a scholarship. Now, how magic is that? Kira Chambers is head of their Department of Film and Screen Media. This is like being mentored. This is being mentored by one of the best in the business. Kira, good morning. Good morning, PJ. Lord Putnam's CV doesn't even need introduction. I know it is really incredible and apart from his amazing work in the cinema business he's also been a, a hugely important pioneer for digital education yes. and also he's examining at the moment in some of his work in the House of Lords what it means to engage with um, democracy in the digital era. He chaired the House select committee for the House of Lords um, on democracy and digital technologies and they produced a groundbreaking report earlier in this this, this year in um, kind of the, on the resurrection of trust 
on digital technology, which explored all of our interaction with politics, democracy, news, information, misinformation. So these are kind of groundbreaking areas of research. So he is multi-talented in many fields. Yeah, he, he has a real love with, of Cork and of UCC. He does, yeah. He has a huge, huge affection for Cork. He, he, he really is an honorary um, Corkonian and he has been amazing to us in UCC. We've had a wonderful relationship with him. It has been inspiring on so many different levels and he's a constant kind of supporter of us in UCC and we just love interacting with him. He is an absolute dream to engage with and to work with. He was the guest speaker at a teachers conference that I attended a number of years ago. I was covering the teachers conferences and he spoke at one of them and a room full of well-charged union activists to be silenced by this man's voice for 40 minutes as he as he spoke about how he saw the future of education. He is inspirational on that as well. He is incredibly inspirational and and PJ what you described there is a common phenomenon with David. I've seen him speak on many different platforms now um, and I have to say he silences audiences all over the world with the way he engages with creativity, with um, some of the big themes that we have to grapple with as kind of modern digital citizens. He absolutely silences crowds in terms of just how he, he really, really gets to the heart of the most crucial issues that we have to deal with. Sustainability is, is another one. So he's incredibly inspiring as a speaker. And already this year with the, the students that he's working with, one of them has described her interaction with him in the first couple of sessions as life-changing. And, and that's, that's a really fair assessment. So how is he working with these very lo- lucky people? He is engaging with them in a, in a few different ways. Firstly, they get um, a range of seminars, and that's associated with some of his own experience um, in, in cinema and in other fields, and also exploring big themes like um, creativity, integrity, ambition, working in the creative industries, dealing with digital technologies, the shape of the industry worldwide. So they engage with these seminars, and then at the end of this series of seminars, um, they will make their own film. And these are students that are coming from a range of different backgrounds across UCC. You know, they're, they're, they're students in neuroscience, in medicine, in youth and community work, in digital humanities, in creative writing, in film and screen media. And what they bring together is a really wide pool of expertise. And David then taps into that in the seminars. He, he puts them through their paces. They have to really engage with them, and he's really, really interested in their opinions. And um, they work together to produce a film script and to make a film under his tutelage. So it's a, it's an incredible opportunity. And, and actually, last year's cohort of scholars just screened their film. They had their premiere at the Cork International Film Festival, mm-hmm. and we had a wonderful Q and A, um, contextualizing the film and, and how they worked together. Do they work on really one film, or do they work their own? Is it is it they all make their own ones? No, they all work on one film together. So that's oh, a really wow. interesting challenge for them because they're coming from different backgrounds and they have to identify, much as is the case with, you know, with a standard film production, who's going to take on certain roles. And they have to agree on the, on the script. They have to agree on who's going to be director, who's going to be producer, who's oh. going to perhaps compose a soundtrack. Um, and it's a, it's a really incredible opportunity. And for some of them, they have some experience in filmmaking already, even those who, who aren't film students. But for 
others, it's it's a new art form. They may be involved in creative writing or in theatre, but it's a new art form for them. So so they learn a huge amount. And, and it's a really challenging creative process. And David's really demanding in terms of what he expects from them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they, they rise to it. You know, it's it's an incredible opportunity to, to bring their experience from their own subject area together to make something that's really special. Listen, I'm actually jealous of them all. I, re- I know. I really okay. am. <laughs> <laughs> to to work to work with such a mind of creativity. Yes. You know, yes. and a guy, and I just I just rattled off some of his movies there, like Chariots know, of Fire. I, I mean, know. when you think of Midnight Express, when you think yeah. of Local Hero, great, great movies that you could watch a hundred times. I know. These are incredible films. They are what we would call in film studies canonical films. They become classics and they are classics. You know, we study them in film studies. They're incredibly important films and they also show us, I think, across the board uh, the ability of film to transform the way we think about the world around us because mm. these are films that are dealing with really big themes. Mm. You know, if you think about it, they're dealing with, with um, ambition, they're dealing with challenges, with the underdog overcoming yeah. challenges, with genocide, with all sorts of really, really important and significant issues. And it shows us that, that cinema is more than just entertainment. Yeah. It's an art form that helps us to process all of these issues. Like if you take the, the, the Chariots of Fire in itself as a simple yes. concept of a story... And yes. yet he makes it into this multi-layered, it was a multi-layered statement of its time. It and was a hugely important uh, film and, and, and just that notion of exploring kind of morality and ethics yeah. and being able to do the right thing um, as, as much as your conscience and still being successful yeah. is something that's really inspiring and kind of is a mantra, I think, also for the way that, that David works um, across his his remit in terms of education and, and inspiring young people to, to tell these stories, tell stories that are important um, and that make us kind of question humanity and ourselves. Okay, listen, I, I'm, I'm so excited for those who are involved with them and, and jealous of them at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and thank you for talking to us today, Kira. Thanks, BJ. Cheers. That's Kira Chambers, head of UCC's Department of Film and Screen Media. The Putnam Scholarship. Can you imagine working with a fella that makes films or made films like that and you have to make a film for him at the end of it? Wow. 1850-715-996. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With Lehan Motors, leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota. See lehanmotors.ie. Text or WhatsApp now on 083-396-9696. For your chance to play our 10K toy giveaway. Corks 96 FM. Off you go. Go, go, go. It's the weekend. Yes, it's the weekend. Club 96 is the soundtrack to your Saturday night on Cork's 96 FM. Darren Johnston spins all the biggest hits from 6. Then Rob Allen's got the old school mix from 10. Your Saturday night sorted. Sorted. Cork's 96 FM. Cork's 96 FM's 10K Toy Giveaway. With Johnson & Perrett, Douglas Bishop's Town and Mahon Point. Put 2020 behind you and drive into 2021. Always open at jpmg.ie. I give you everything that you want. Okey-doke, it's the final week of Cork's 96 FM's 10K Toy Giveaway. It's another simple question. 
for another listener and we're headed down to beautiful West Cork to Clonakilty. Hello, Natasha O'Leary. Good morning. How are you? I'm good and how are you? Good, good. Who would you have that would spend 500 quid on toys? Um, well, I have three. <laughs> ah, yeah. It won't last um, an hour or so. No, it wouldn't last. I have an eight-year-old, a five-year-old and a four-month-old, so... Oh. <laughs> God, good on you. Four months, Lo- yeah. a lockdown baby, so. Um, yeah, she was born in July. Right, right. Difficult time. Yes. Hope it's, <laughs> hope it's going well. Hope it's going well. All right, here's Fantastic. one. Here's one for you. You just need to give me the answer to this. We've had a lot of luck on the opinion line with our contestants over the last couple of weeks. So see if we can at least get you into the draw. What is the name of the cute furry creature in the movie? Gremlins. Is it A, Gizmo, or B, Furby? Oh, A, Gizmo. A, Gizmo is the one. Yeah, didn't need to be asked a second time. Good on you. All right, you're through to the draw with Lorraine on Big Drive Home. Good luck from all of us to all of you. And we'll never know. All right, Thank Natasha. You. Take care of yourself. You too. Bye Cheers. now. See you. Bye-bye. 1850-715-996. Yeah, she's off into the draw with Lorraine uh, just after six. Ken will have a qualifier and of course Lorraine will have a qualifier herself before she does the draw just after six. On the final week of our giveaway, 500 euro Smith's Toys Superstores vouchers. Loads of them getting give out. And of course, a reminder to you that they are open for click and collect and home delivery right throughout the lockdown period. 1850-715-996. I want to go to... Green Party Councillor Oliver Moran. Couple of things uh, to talk to you about, Oliver. First of all, and God, I remember this place. I used to, you know, I used to play 21st birthday parties and in- engagement parties and all other such things when I was a, a job and jock down in the Barleycorn Hotel. The poor place looks so sad and so decrepit and so awful of late. What is happening down there? Good morning to you. Good morning, PJ. Well, that's long before my time, I would say, in Cork. Um, so the, the John Barleycorn site, I, it, it's, as you, as you know for yourselves, it was a hotel uh, which uh, burnt down in 2006. Um, and the site where, it's, where it has been has been cleared, has been empty for, for a number of years, um, and it is for sale now. Yeah. Uh, and and there is, it, it's right beside John O'Callaghan Park in Ganmar. And the community in Glenmire are very eager uh, that the city council would buy the site and extend the park. Mm. Um, who owns and it? Who, oh, I, it's, it, it's in private ownership, um, but it, it is being sold. And the, the price tag is $1.6 mm. um, For it's, it's about a 5.5 acre site, uh, very well located in Glenmire, uh, beside the river, beside the park, uh, in uh, the centre of the village in Riverstone. Um and it, it's something which, on behalf of the community, which I, I, it, it was obviously something of interest to me, uh, and on behalf of the community, I've, I've been pushing and pushing and pushing inside the, the local area committee, in particular, to, to, to try and get an answer on whether... It's a lot of money for a council to find in the middle of the economic space we currently find ourselves. It, it is, and it, it, it's, it's, it, it's the, the final answer, which I, I got from officials at the start of this week, uh, would appear to be no. Uh, and on, on two counts, one... Uh, it, it's it's a lot of money. One of the reasons it's a lot of money is because the site itself is zoned for 
there is an ambition. To, look, Glenmire is a wonderful place, uh, but there's there's two particular things which which um, it is is missing. One is public amenity space and, and the community's right to, to want to extend the park for that reason. Uh, the other thing which it's, it's missing is a really uh, kind of identifiable town centre. Hmm. Like if, if Glenmire was a town by itself, it would be as big as you all, um, as, as you know, you know up, up there with, 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 Middle, with Middleton. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's, it's a kind of a, a more suburb in its, yeah. in its layout. It doesn't have a, a town centre. And this site... Uh, is is earmarked for the town centre development, which means it's 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 zoned for um, mixed use, which would be offices and housing, um, and the the city council w- wouldn't have the, the money to be able to buy a, a piece of land that's, that's valued at that uh, for amenity, and it also has this conflict about whether we want it for amenity or whether we want it for for town centre. Yeah, you would you favour the amenity? I imagine you would. I, I, no, I'm, I'm quite conflicted because Glenmire does need a town centre. Now that said, I don't think uh, that when push comes to shove, that it will be purely one or the other because the the nature of the site it, it runs down onto the river. It's it's uh, it, it's prone to flooding. So I don't think you could do something there without there being at least some space to it. You know, I, I think that there's part of it that, that would be unsuitable for, for, for building on. And also there is the plan uh, in Glenmire uh, to run a greenway that will be eventually running a, alongside the site. So I, I think it would be plugged in in some way to amenity. I don't think that, you know, at the end of the day, it would be 100% one or the other. Um, and I, I think that's, that is probably a, a, a stronger line to take if the city council isn't going to buy it outright for amenity, that whatever does go in there isn't wholly one or the other, that it, there would be a, a public amenity aspect yeah. to it. There's another discussion ongoing down there at the moment, isn't there, Oliver, about a greenway? Yes, the, and, and this is the same greenway which I, I described there running a, a, alongside the, the John Barleycorn site. Um, so the, the, there are fantastic plans for Glenmire. Uh, these were plans which the the city inherited from the county um upgrades to a, a lot of a lot of the junctions to make them more accessible for for cyclists and for for walkers but also a, a plan for a greenway from old Glanmire village all the way up to Glanmire community college and Brook Lodge national school um and that this would form a kind of a, a spine of a cycle cycle network through Glanmire. um the the plan from the county um it, it, there's there's one particular 200 meter stretch of road uh, near uh, Sarsfields Football Club, um, and this is being used uh, primarily. It's it, 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 it runs up to Brook Lodge National School, and it, it's being used particularly uh, to drop kids off at school and pick them up uh, from school afterwards. Um, and this is when the, the the city inherited the plans with the county. The, the county had and uh, taken this piece of of kind of 200 metres out so they weren't going to close this section of the road uh, for the, the Greenway. It was going to be uh, a, a part where, where the children will be down on the road again. Yeah. Um, and the fear now with which uh, officials are making very clear to councillors, there was a briefing of councillors early, earlier on in the week, um, and the fear is that if this, or, or unless that decision is, is reversed again, 
um, and that this this 200 meter section of road is is, is closer mm. to, to vehicle traffic, then funding might not come for okay. the entire landmark for okay. the that's, entire that, that, That's worth watching. Quickly before yeah. I let you go, call has come in about now. This is a separate matter. The car, the little in Churchfield. Were you yeah. working on a car charger? I I I am in communication with with the uh, with uh, the planning department around that. Uh, there was there was a condition for for that uh, that supermarket to have covered cycle parking and to have motorcycle parking, um, they, which I I don't believe have have been put in. There has been cycle parking put in, but it hasn't been covered. So I I'm in communication with the planning department about about enforcing that. Okay, and a charger for cars. A, a, a charger for, for cars. cars. I, I know that there's there's a resident up there who is. Uh, very kind of was they were very very strong in pushing pushing the issue. I do support them on it, um, and it, it's something which I I think needs to be supported more throughout the the city. Um, there isn't enough public car car charging locations. Yeah, which is, that which is a, the whole discussion in itself, as they want us to go more and more down the electric route with our cars. Oliver, thank you for that, Oliver Moran, Green Party City Councillor. No answer yet on that uh, up in Churchfield. No answer on the uh, Barleycorn site, except it seems to be a no from the council. I forgot to mention uh, during the morning to any of our American friends living locally, uh, happy Thanksgiving. And to any of our friends in America listening to the station online, happy Thanksgiving to you. And for God's sake, be careful on this day of all days for family celebration in the United States of America. Tomorrow, then, is Black Friday when we will be inundated with all sorts of bargains. Then Monday is Cyber Monday, which is the whole thing. But tomorrow's Black Friday. And one of the big things that goes on sale tomorrow, because we've not been able to do it, and they've not been able to sell it, is travel. And we've talked before many times with Sarah Slattery, uh, the travel expert. Uh, Sarah, good morning. Good morning, PJ. How are you? Great. Good to talk to you again. Black Friday, a big day. You've put together a list of deals and you're joking me hotel rooms from 28 euro per person I know and they're four star hotels with swimming pools and everything um, I mean the hotels God love them I've been suffering so much um, and I suppose this is an opportunity to try and get some sort of off peak bookings if they can over the next few months assuming of course we can leave our county but that's another that's another situation but yeah so the rates are really really good fantastic value for more than that now, but I'm looking at this, the, the Hyatt-centric in Dublin, that's a hell of a hotel. 70 quid per person? Yeah, that is great for Dubliners, particularly at the moment if, if, if we can't leave our county but because they're including breakfast and even meal as well. So for um, 70 euros, between 70 and 80, depending on what, what dates you choose, you've got dinner, bed and breakfast. So I thought that was brilliant value. Like I know that if people even, even might do it pre-Christmas, just kind of I suppose to get a night out if, the, if indoor dining isn't isn't um, isn't happening. Getting away over Christmas and New Year is a lovely thing to be able to do. If we can do it this year, you've got some like there's there's two nights in two nights in Mayo from ninety nine quid. Yeah, I was in Mayo this summer, and oh, it was just great. It's just so much to see, and it just. I can think of nothing better on New Year's Day than um, out on the, the cliff at <laughs> the Wild Atlantic Way. And I just thought the price was fantastic. The Twin Trees Hotel, it's near Ballina there, and it, ha- it also has a pool. And the price is €99 Euro per person for a two-night stay. Um, and that's checking in on 
New Year's Eve, the 31st. Wow. That's yeah, a New Year break. Yeah. Two really, nights. Really good. That's incredible. And then there's Kenmare, closer to home, over, over, the, over the other border. Yeah, I thought for families looking for a post-Christmas day, um, they had a good rate for a family room. It's 258 or 238, depending on the date you choose there, around the 28th, 29th of December for two nights. Yeah. You'd have to, it's before New Year, between Christmas and New Year. Yeah, which is a nice popular few days to go away yeah, as well. Exactly. That's the Kinmare yeah. Bay. Yeah. That's the Kinmare Bay. Let's, let's, let's come local to Cork and keep it local in case we can't leave the county. We may yeah. all d- descend on Skibbereen. Yeah, the West Cork Hotel have a great Black Friday deal there. It's 69 euros, including breakfast per room uh, for one for one night. And then the Celtic Ross as well in conjunction with select hotels of Ireland, they're doing a sort of two nights for the price of one offer. Mm. You get a second night free. Um, so if you book two nights in any of their um, their hotels, for one of them being the Caltagross, you get the second night free. So it's €129 Euro for two nights, including breakfast. What right. per room? So like that's 65 per person for two nights. That's, that's pretty good. Yeah, that's really, pretty really good. good. Now, if you wanted to buy someone a Christmas present of a luxurious stay with a view to using it whenever we can, as in sometime next year when life gets a bit easier again, yeah. again, Mount Juliet Estate, like that's, that's swanky. Yeah, gorgeous. Like absolutely. It's 65 euro per person, including what? breakfast. Yeah. And, and like, I mean, you pay 25 euro for a five star breakfast on its own, you know, in, in a hotel. So 65, including bed and breakfast. And it's available right up to April, um, Sunday to Thursdays. A lot of people, I, I published this post on Tuesday with all the deals in it. And a lot of people are booking Sunday night stays because they only need to take one day off. It's proving really, really popular. It's even there on Valentine's Day. Valentine's is the Sunday this year or next year. Um, and I think it's 160, it's like 160 per room. So 80 for Valentine's night. But most of the other Sundays, it's, it's, um, it's 65 per, per person per night or per, yeah, per person for the night. Yeah, and there's another another place. I've, I, I stayed there once and it was one of the most beautiful places I ever stayed, Ferry Carrig. Yeah, that's it. Like a lot of hotels, like right across the country, have discounts of twenty and thirty percent off for Black Friday. So the ferry carrick, I think, is ninety euro for the room, so forty five per person, and that includes breakfast. Um, and, and the great thing I should say about all the, these hotels, if people are a little bit nervous about booking or unsure what way the travel restrictions will be, is that they're all all the hotels are doing free cancellation now, so you can cancel. In either the day before or two days before, you know, mm. and, and you don't lose any money. So you have nothing really to lose. And it's a lovely idea for a Christmas gift. Should we have to live in hope anyway, we don't do, we? We do, we do, we <laughs> do. Like, for example, if you take... Now, this this is a, an absolute humdinger. A, a junior suite with dinner, bed and breakfast in the five-star intercontinental hotel in Dublin. Now, this is a serious, a serious present. Yeah, it's gorgeous, isn't it? And that's available on weekends too, that one from January to March. In December, they're just doing midweek stays, but from um, after Christmas, they're doing uh, weekends for 104, an upgrade to a junior suite and free access to their wellness area and um, pool and, uh, and dinner and breakfast. Yeah, really, really good. One thing I love that's on your site is a hotel stay voucher. It's the kind of the, is it a, it's a, it's the select hotels of Ireland. What's that about? I, I love that. They've loads of different vouchers. And what's great about select hotels is there's 20 different, 29 different hotels to choose from. And they're all independently owned Irish hotels. But they have this Christmas gift box this year. 
So as well as getting an overnight stay in any of their hotels, they also put three Irish handmade dips in. Um, so you've got um, a, a can- candle. Now, I can't remember exactly all the, the names of it all, but I, I got the candle. It's absolutely gorgeous. It's like Christmas in a box. And then uh, Waterford um, uh, a glass a bauble and then Irish handmade chocolates as well. And uh, they're all together in one gift box and it's free postage deliver all over Ireland yeah. and it's 195 euro and that includes the hotel stay so I think it's a really nice gift in terms of the trip and I suppose we should should remind people that the best time book these now pay them now but go when things are of safer of yeah absolutely go yeah, when things yeah. are safer travelexpert.ie is your website thanks Sarah Black thanks, Friday is a, day, is a day to buy um, but you know wait wait until it's safe Thank you, Sarah. 1850-715-996. The out-and-out winner. This is the best one of the week. The winner of our prize today with Sanitizer Ireland Natural Solutions is Linda O'Connell of Lehenamore with the Roald Dahl Toy Show Connection. I love this. This is brilliant. Roald there Colette. Absolutely love that. Well done, Linda O'Connell of Lehenamore, today's winner with Sanitizer Ireland Natural Solutions. It's time to go. We are slammed up against it today. I'm going to play out on a little tune because not only did Madonna, Maradona, score all, score all those goals and had thousands of adoring fans, he also had a tune. And I want to play out with a minute of it. Show edited by Terry Brennan, produced and researched by Fergal Barry, but you're the best part. And we'll see you tomorrow, just after nine. Different class. See you The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With Lehan Motors, leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota. See lehanmotors.ie. Turn it on. Cork's Gold Emerald Award-winning sports show. The Score on Cork's 96FM. Join me, Trevor Welch, Sundays from 2 for the best music mix and all the latest sport where we focus on Cork versus Tipperary in the Munster Senior Football Final from Parky Queen. Join Trevor Welch for the score. The score. Yeah, we got it going on. This Sunday from 2 p.m. on Cork's 96 FM. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.